Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our preseason WNBA power rankings, and we're also going to preview the opening weekend matchups. So, Jalen, I'm going to start with you on this one with your preseason WNBA top 12. So, Ryan, I got to pull out the specs for this one because I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit smart with this list. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's just I'm really excited to go through this list. I got a couple of interesting lineups for this one, so uh, bear with me, but we're going to start from the top with the Las Vegas Aces um, at number one. At number two, I've got the Chicago Sky. At number three, I've got the Minnesota Lynx. At number four, I've got the Seattle Storm. At number five, I've got the Phoenix Mercury. At number six, I've got our Washington Mystics. At number seven, might be controversial, but I have Sabrina Ionescu and the New York Liberty at number seven. I have the Connecticut Sun at number eight. I have the Los Angeles Sparks at number nine. I have the interesting Dallas Wings at number 10. I have the Atlanta Dream at number 11. And then to round it out, I have the Indiana Fever at number 12. Sorry, I had to put you guys at last, Indiana, but it's a tough it's a tough spot to lock up between that one through five spot. And it only gets more interesting as you get further along. So Jalen started from the top. I'm going to start from the bottom like I'm Drake. So <laughs> number 12, I have the Indiana Fever. Number 11, I have the Atlanta Dream. Number 10, I have the LA Sparks. Number nine, I have the Dallas Wings. Number eight, I have the Connecticut Sun. Number seven, I have the Washington Mystics. Number six, I have the Minnesota Lynx. Number five, I have the Seattle Storm. Number four, I have the New York Liberty. Number three, I have the Phoenix Mercury. Number two, I have the Chicago Sky. And number one, the Las Vegas Aces. Oh, man. Oh, man. I was wondering what was going on with the Liberty. I I didn't hear their name nearly as soon as I thought I was going to hear it. Now I see why you started from the bottom. You had a little something, something to unveil there, Ryan. Very interesting. So I'm going to stick with your role on this one. And I think the most interesting place that we should probably start is let's just move our way up from number 12, man. We got a lot of stuff that's in common. We got a lot of stuff that's different. Let's start with something that we got in common, man. Let's start with these Indiana fever. You know what I mean? Very interesting offseason in terms of the fact that they brought in some players that I think we're going to have to kind of see them on the court within this system before we can really get an understanding of. They got Jessica Breeland and Danielle Robinson in the offseason. Um, two players that I think they might have been a smidge more high on than I guess most would think coming in, uh, coming into this specific free agency class that we have where we had so many interesting stars actually go uh move around now in terms of players that they do have um that should be pretty interesting i still think that kaiser uh Godricic that they took with number four as interesting as that draft pick was i still think that that's something worth keeping an eye on i think that she's going to be a player that's going to draw a lot of attention for this team as a player that was taken extremely high they made a trade for rookie Aaliyah wilson in the offseason as well and then in terms of talking about players that they have um, from a more veteran standpoint, we're talking about Kelsey Mitchell, Tierra McCowan, and Lauren Cox. So they've got a couple of players in there that make them very interesting, but their offseason was so weird that I think we both can agree that there's not much to make of them. But Ryan, 
in your own words, rather than me speaking for you, why did you put the Indiana Fever at number 12, considering that they do have some pretty interesting talent on the roster? I think that that's the way I'm going to phrase it. What, what put, made you put them at 12? I think this team doesn't have an identity. And I think when you've missed the playoffs for five straight years, you've only won 10 games once in that five-year stretch of missing the playoffs. I feel like something has to give. You know, when you make these, when you make the moves for Jessica Breland, when you make the move for Daniel Robinson, they don't move the needle. They force Indiana to stay stagnant in the WNBA. And I feel like when we think about this, Kelsey Mitchell was one of the top five scorers from the WNBA last season. And there isn't a lot of scoring outside of her. By adding Kaiser Godrasik, you're maybe trying to make up for some of the scoring that isn't there. But for a team that hasn't made the playoffs for the past five years, hasn't had a 10-win season in four of the last five seasons, I kind of wonder where they're going to go next. Yeah, and I, I understand the fears with that. Now, one thing I will point out that we weren't able to talk about very much the last time we talked about the WNBA circumstances, because, you know, we were talking about the draft and, of course, the, uh, the circumstances that I'm talking about is Chelsea Perry um, being picked up on this team. I think that's something to take into consideration. We talked about her back a long time ago, back when we had done, like, you know, our uh, college basketball spotlights, and we were talking about the women's side of the NCAA in that case. And when it came to Chelsea Perry, we're talking about a player that averaged 24 points, 7.3 rebounds, buckets and boards galore over there at UT Martin. I think that's somebody who's going to be really interesting to keep an eye out on because we know that Kaiser is the one that's the, the drawn pick because it was the first pick of that draft class where you went, oh, wow. This isn't going nearly the way that we anticipated. You know what I mean? The first two picks for the Wings were exactly what we saw in terms of Coolier and Collier. That was kind of expected. And they went back to back as we, you know, as we had both actually predicted and as most draft analysts for the WNBA had kind of put into perspective. So Kaiser was the first pick off the board where it kind of shifted gears and it kind of set the tone. I think we talked about this when we had Brooks on that pick alone set the tone for how different that draft went as opposed to what was expected. And so, of course, she's going to be the one that draws all the eyes. But I think from a rookie standpoint, I think Chelsea Perry is actually going to be the one who might potentially have the most impact sooner. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye out on. I think Indiana has some stuff to work with as a team. My just biggest fear with them, I think it might just be similar to what you said, which is the fact that from an identity standpoint, all of these very weird and out of the box pickups are one of those things that until you see it put into motion and it comes to fruition, it's kind of hard to kind of see what kind of direction they're moving in. And that, of course, makes things kind of difficult in terms of judging them as a team. The NBA comparison of this was Patrick Williams when he got drafted by Chicago. Agreed. We didn't really know what was going to happen with him, and now he's turning out to be a pretty good basketball player for the Chicago Bulls. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Kaiser could be a leading scorer for this team. I think that it could be huge for a team like Indiana to have somebody like Kaiser on this team, somebody that can shoot the three consistently. I also feel like you mentioned Chelsea Perry as well. Chelsea Perry was somebody that I pointed out when we talked about our unsung hoopers as somebody that – the entire league needs to watch out for. She can get it done in the post. She can also get it done in the mid-range. She also got a lot of buckets at UT Martin. 
Also, at one point, she was the leading scorer in the entire country. So Chelsea Perry could be an X factor on this team. I think that's going to be one of those things to keep an eye out on. We're probably going to be saying her name a lot. At least I hope so throughout the season as we continue to focus on this team. But speaking of teams that are in a really interesting standpoint when it comes to direction, Ryan, the next thing that we have moving up this totem pole is Atlanta. And Atlanta literally went from being a team with a lot of interesting prospects and a coach and Nikki Collin who they could lean on to maybe build some of these players up. The the Courtney Williams of the world that are in the backcourt, Kennedy Carter, obviously Ari McDonald, who they took in this most recent draft as well. A lot of interesting players, especially from a backcourt standpoint, to build up with Nikki Collins at the hand, Nikki Collins at the hands. Now in the offseason, Collins decides to go be the head coach at Baylor. That puts them in a situation where they're not getting the same kind of uh, high-level coaching that was expected going into the season, and they're starting out with an interim head coach instead. They've got a lot of these interesting pieces like I've named beforehand, but at the same time, Ryan, did, did this coaching circumstance affect your um, placement of Atlanta in any way, or did you feel that Atlanta was the 11th best team regardless of their coaching situation? Because for me, I think it's a toss up just because they have interesting pieces um, that make them talented. But I do think that this coaching has a little bit more weight than people really realize. I think that this team is 11th regardless of coaching, but this was a team that I, I had a lot of trouble deciding whether or not they should be 11th or they should be 10th or 9th or even 8th. Because of the draft. Let's talk about one one pick that they made in the draft, Ari McDonald. Ari McDonald was one of the best players at Arizona, and she's going to be pairing up with Kennedy Carter to have an Atlanta Dream backcourt. Essentially, that's going to be filled with bucket getters. Kennedy Carter, remember, Kennedy Carter wasn't healthy for a lot of the season last year. But when she's healthy, 17.4 points a game, she led Atlanta in scoring last year. And then when you think about in the offseason, Benaja Laney, who was the most improved player for the WNBA, left and signed with New York. There was a lot of changes happening within the organization and on the roster. But I feel like with, with other players on this team, like Elizabeth Williams, like Shakina Strickland, like Monique Billings, like Courtney Williams, I think that this team has the, the roster to make a potential playoff push. I think it's only better when you think about the future of this backcourt with Kennedy Carter and Ari McDonald, because I think the sky's the limit with these two. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. And I just wish from a development standpoint that they were able to keep the coach in play, because I think Colin is someone who, although from a season to season standpoint, Atlanta has struggled. I really think that this would be such an interesting pairing with Ari and Kennedy that I think that that would be, a, a veteran presence in this case, a, a, a coach of this caliber would really be able to maximize the talent from these two. And I think that that would be something that would make Atlanta a lot more interesting. Now, at the end of the day, this is going to be a fun team. I, I, I interestingly enough, and we're probably going to do this a lot because we're NBA guys. So we're going to do this comparison from league to league thing to make it where we not only put more perspective for ourselves in terms of understanding, but for a lot of our other listeners who are more NBA people than WNBA that we're trying to ingratiate this content to. Um, I think that a comparison for Atlanta might ironically maybe be a team 
like the Charlotte Hornets this year. I think they're in a circumstance where they have a lot of interesting pieces. Uh, they have James Borrego at coach, who's going to be new. I think that having um, a different voice for Atlanta, Atlanta, and from an interim coach standpoint, they're going to have a, a guy by the name of Mike Peterson that's going to be running that uh, running that team. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does within his interim role. Obviously, the, the hope is for him to be able to have a pretty decent season and lock a, lock a long-term position up. But I think they're just going to be a really interesting team that leans a lot on their on their backcourt play. I think Ard McDonald is going to be somebody who I'm already going to put at the top. I'm willing to put her at the top three in my rookie of the year racing, my rookie of the year race right now. I think that she's going to be extremely dynamic and she's going to be very interesting to watch on a night-to-night basis. So I think Atlanta is one of those teams where the talent speaks for itself, but you just tend to wonder how all those pieces are going to come together under an interim head coach. So I think we have to obviously, obviously take that into account. So Ryan, now that we get to 10, this is the part where we have our first disagreement. And it's not by much. You have um you have Dallas above Los Angeles. I have Los Angeles above that above Dallas. So which team out of those two did you want to start with? So I want to start by talking about the Dallas Wings. And I want to start with the draft because they really built the starting lineup that they have through the draft. It starts with Charlie Collier, it starts with Awakier, it starts with Chelsea Dungey, and they also got Dana Evans. You have four pretty good college players with a lot of upside pairing up with Arike Agumbuwale. Dallas has the potential to make a playoff run. I think their chances are much better than Los Angeles. Now, if we look at Los Angeles on the other side, they lose Chelsea Gray and Candace Parker. Chelsea Gray was a phenomenal guard for them. And Candace Parker was the heart and soul of the Sparks for her entire tenure there. I think it was 13 years. I think with the amount of change that's happening with Los Angeles, I don't really know what their playoff chances are going to look like. Considering if we look at Dallas, there is a lot of potential. And I was slightly critical of their first two picks because I thought they were both boom or bust picks. I think if we look at what other talent they have around the team, Mariah Jefferson, I think, is going to be an X factor on this team because I want to see how much she's going to fit on a team that got a lot of their guard depth through the draft, like Dana Evans, like Chelsea Dungy. But I think the interesting thing is going to be the forward-center combination of Awakweer and Charlie Collier. I think they have contrasting styles of play, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see how they fit on a team where they really needed help in the forward and center department. So honestly, if I had to pick a team to make a playoff run, I would say it has to be Dallas. I also think that Satu Sabale, Jalen, you're a huge fan of hers. 13.9 points a game last season, 7.8 rebounds. Satu Sabali is somebody who we can expect to get significant playing time. And I think it would be interesting to see how she fits alongside the two rookies in Queer and Collier. Yeah, and I think I'm glad that's where you picked up because, of course, like you said beforehand, very big fan, obviously, between Instagram and everything else, just following a career overseas as well. I think that that's the most interesting thing about it, because when you insert Sabali into the mix of this, you add Arike, you add uh, you add AK, you add Charlie Collier to the mix of this. 
I think when you look up across the lane and you really look at the depth that they have, right? They're in a circumstance where they could play Collier and Sabali. They could play Collier and AK together, AK and Sabali together. You can intertwine Dungey with Agumba Wale. You can intertwine Dana Evans with Agumba Wale. You could even put it where the two rookies play next to each other in terms of Dungey and, and Evans. I think that might be a little too redundant, but I think there's a possibility that one of them more so maybe Dana Evans can thrive off the ball. And I think that that's something interesting to go with as well. They still got Megan Gustafsson on the roster. I think that's going to be something interesting to take into account, especially from a three-point shooting standpoint. I think that's one of those things that maybe could be a bit interesting um I just think overall now it's tricky because the reason why I put them under LA is because despite the fact that LA has lost a good amount of talent this offseason LA is not nearly as young as Dallas is and that's the one thing that gives me a little bit of cause to pause because Ryan we can arguably say that the four players that they drafted this offseason are all going to get a ton of burn this year which is something that when we're talking about building a playoff team is good when you're talking about trying to kickstart a rebuild. But in terms of being a team that's a threat to make not only make the playoffs, but make noise in the playoffs, there's a little bit of cause to pause there when most of your team is as significantly young as they are. I mean, AK is 19 years old, for example. So even though she's coming from overseas, playing from a pro system, Nonetheless, there's still a significant learning curve there. Charlie Collier, we talked about it throughout the WNBA draft, one of the rawest prospects in this entire draft. But the upside is so significant that with a good amount of playing time, she's somebody who could probably really blossom. She's probably at the top of most people's list for rookie of the year, despite the fact that she'll probably be going back and forth with three other rookies on her team who could obviously vie for the award as well. So I think that that's one of those things that's really interesting. I think they're ability to really manipulate and really take advantage of their depth is going to be one of those things that if if they can play to some of the strengths that they have available like the two wing set of having collier and ak come out of this draft there's two significant shot blockers down low the fact that collier is a player that can play very well in the post while ak is a player that can play relatively well within 14 to 15 feet of the basket with a little bit of a jumper, which gives us some space, a little bit of a Chris Boss element kind of uh, player, which gives them the dynamic to potentially play next to each other. The fact that Sabali is going to definitely be a secondary ball handler next to a player like Arike Agumawale. The fact that they have the kind of depth guard-wise where I think when Agumawale goes to the bench, Chelsea Dungy and or Dana Evans can instantly become a a primary ball handling guard or a primary ball handling duo in the backcourt in a way that could be really interesting for them to run a lot of different sets with that. So I think that I, I, I vibe with you that Dallas is definitely a team that could be a significant threat. My only fear is, is the youth, but Hey, if the youth plays above its weight, I mean, we, remember, we gotta, we gotta remember, we gotta put it into context. These are four, I mean, Dana Evans, Dana Evans was a first round pick level player. So these are four first rounders, essentially, that are all vying for time. So I think that they're going to be dangerous. It's just going to be about them all coming together. And if we think about it, though, with Los Angeles, I think the problem with them and why I have Dallas above Los Angeles, who are they going to essentially have to fill the role of Candace Parker? Because Candace Parker has been there, like I said, for 13 years. 
that's a huge role to fill considering that there hasn't been a player like her in Los Angeles since Lisa Leslie. I think that when we think about how big of a role that is, am I going to rely on Christy Tolliver to fill that role? Am I going to rely on the Nike Aguamike to fill that role? Also, right. when we think of when we put roster to roster and just looking and comparing Dallas and Los Angeles, I think both these rosters are built for a playoff run. But if we think about where Los Angeles kind of fits in this mix, right now this team is not built to compete. I mean, I think that's interesting. Uh, I think the Agumake sisters both being on the floor is going to be really interesting. That's just going to be an interesting dynamic by itself, seeing them two play off each other. Obviously, Tia Cooper is somebody that's going to be able to fill an offensive role. (laughs) I don't think that's without question. Um, we saw a little bit of that last season. Arella Garantes, who they picked up in the draft, is somebody who I think is going to be really interesting in terms of how much time she gets on this team because from a guard depth standpoint, they don't have a lot of it past Cooper. So I think that that could be an opportunity for Garantes to really get some burn, especially maybe as a secondary guard that plays a lot off the ball. And then another player that we got to keep in mind, a player that we were very hype about, Jasmine Walker, too. In terms of the draft, the the, the Swiss, Swiss Army Knife ability of her as a post player, I think is going to be something to keep in mind when we watch this team because her pairing with Amanda Zowie B, who we were very big on coming into this year, and I still remain very high on, is going to be in a circumstance where I think she's, I mean, she's going to be the primary center for this team. And it's no longer going to be about development because that's kind of been the last couple of seasons of her career so far has been all about trying to unlock said potential but I think being in LA within this space as a player who's going to have to dominate within within the inside for this team as a primary inside presence next to the Agumake sisters down low in the front court I think Zowie B is going to be put in a position where getting buckets and boards is going to be primary for her and I think it's not going to be one of those things that she shrinks under the pressure of I think LA is in a really good position from a front court standpoint I think their guard depth is where I have my causes to pause um but I think there's I think there's opportunity there I think the biggest thing with them is again I think the Agumake sisters playing together I think maybe the uh the continuity of those two alone is going to be something interesting on the offensive end that I think will make them pretty dynamic. Look, you might, I in the end of the day, I think two weeks from now, when we end up doing our next power rankings, you might end up being right. I, honestly, there's a high chance that Dallas might be the better team out of these two, especially with the fact, like you said, Parker and Gray exiting this offseason. Those are two significant hits, and there's no way to kind of just swipe that under the rug despite the fact that you know they did pick up erica wheeler in the offseason as well who was an all-star two seasons ago and then of course zowie b as i mentioned beforehand those are decent replacement level players when we're talking about the caliber of parker and gray but at the same time we're talking about some big names walking out the door so i think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what our power rankings looks like in two weeks in regards to these two teams, because I think they both are two teams that if their talent plays up to snuff, we might actually be underrating them rather than putting them in uh, rather than having feel or feeling like we have them rated appropriately. So that covers our nine through 12. 
let's kind of get into this interesting lane where things start to kind of tail off. We're going to talk about the Connecticut Sun. This is one that we actually agreed on at number eight. The Connecticut Sun are a really interesting team because of the fact that, honestly, when you look across the board, they are a really strong team, even with Alyssa Thomas going down due to that torn Achilles, which is a significant hit. We're talking about one of their primary offensive weapons. This is going to be a team that is going to look very different, but they still have Jonko Jones, who's a top five player when healthy. Um, Dewana Bonner is another player who is, I mean, honestly, when we're talking about putting the ball in her hands, she's pretty much one of the most dynamic players when the ball, when, when, when you run the offense through her. So I think that's going to be one of those things that's extremely interesting, but once you kind of get past their lead players, things start getting really shaky, Ryan. So what is your feeling on the Connecticut sign? Cause right now I think that putting them at eighth is probably respectable, but I think that an argument could be made that with what we've said about Los Angeles and Dallas, the loss of Alyssa Thomas could elicit making moving Connecticut down, honestly, from a talent standpoint. But what do you think? And I think you made a great point there. Alyssa Thomas going down is without a doubt going to hurt this team. Now, I think they could remedy that with the play of Dewana Bonner and John Quill Jones. But again, when you when you mentioned John Quill Jones, top five player when she's healthy. This team really kind of struggled without her, and especially considering that they they kind of snuck into the playoffs as a seven seed, a ten and twelve, they really needed John Paul Jones that season. Even though, yeah, the play of Alyssa Thomas helped them get to the playoffs. So I think again, if John Paul Jones stays healthy, this team could make a significant playoff run, much like they much like what they did in twenty nineteen when they went to the finals against the Mystics. Just looking at their draft for a second. In the second round, they get Dijon A. Carrington, guard from Baylor, and then Michaela Kelly, guard from Central Michigan. I think that's something that they needed. They needed guard depth, and they hit it right on the head by getting Dijon A. Carrington and Michaela Kelly. First of all, Michaela Kelly, she's a bucket getter. 15.6 points a game, 4.1 assists. She shoots nearly 47% from the field. And then looking at Dijon A. Carrington, I thought she had the capability of going in the first round. She ends up falling into the hands of Connecticut. When we talk about defense and being able to you know, stop the top player on the opposing team, we look at Dijanae Carrington as one of the top defenders coming out of this draft. It came as a shock to me that she fell in the second round, but this is another huge win because you get two players with different styles of play, one who's a great defender, one who's great on the offensive side. Just looking at this team overall, I think they have the capability this year of making the playoffs again with the talent that they have around them. Now, granted, it does, it does come down to whether or not John Paul Jones can stay healthy. Dewana Bonner was great for this team last year. She had almost 20 points a game last year and almost eight rebounds. She averaged almost 20 and eight last year. I just think now it's just going to come down to what does the supporting cast do? Because I mean, Jasmine Thomas, Breon January, Brianna Jones, I think those are three players that we have to watch out for for the Connecticut Sun. There's just a lot of interesting things to look at. I think now it just comes down to who's going to fill the role of Alyssa Thomas, considering that that's a huge loss for this Connecticut Sun team. 
Yeah, I think it's really going to be interesting. DJNA Carrington, like you said before, is a player that's going to be worth keeping eyes on just out of the fact that I think I agree. I think I might actually have to agree with you that that might be a first round talent potentially. Um, that was that that might end up being a, a diamond in the rough kind of steel pick, um, depending on how things go. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that whole thing translates. But like you said beforehand, when we talk about a player of AT's caliber being out for the entire season, we're talking about a player that lifts this team from being a sub playoff caliber team to a team that can legitimately make noise in the playoffs and maybe even potentially make a playoff run if all the cards fall, you know, as they may. So I think that's one of those things that I think that an injury of that caliber, that's tough, man, because that leaves a lot of question marks in terms of who's going to step up to that, to that, to the plate next. And then also just the mere fact of, is there anybody who could step up in a way that can match or even lean into the ballpark of, what AT was able to provide on a night-to-night basis for this team. So I, I think that the Connecticut Sun are in a really interesting circumstance. Uh, we'll see how the first couple of games go. I think it's going to definitely be a chemistry situation with this team that we're going to have to keep an eye on in terms of developing um, an understanding of who the next person up is. Um, we saw this a little bit with the Aces last year who were significantly injured and they ended up making it all work out and they ended up turning an MVP out in the meantime. So that's one of those things that we should also keep in mind as well, because injuries have not hurt the WNBA too much in terms of being able to see new stars shine. So that might be one of those things to keep, keep in mind. Um, moving up to seven. Ooh, buddy, this is where it started to get kind of different. So Ryan, we're going to actually start with the team that you put at seven because the team I put at seven is significantly higher on your list. So I want to wait until we get up there to really talk about them. So let's talk about the Mystics. I had them at six. You had them at seven, not too different, but there's a couple of things to obviously take into account. Now, the big thing that they did in the offseason is acquire Alicia Clark. Issue with that. She's going to miss the season due to a foot injury. So that's one of those things that instantly brings cause to pause. But they get Elena Deladon back. The question mark with that is obviously the multiple back surgeries. Throw that on top of the fact that she missed all of last season per choice for the most part. But the fact that that was a circumstance, that's one of those things that's got to be nagging at Mystics fans, including all, all, including us, I'd assume, in terms of whether or not she's going to be able to come back up to snuff. And then another thing to keep in mind, Ryan, just to keep it a bean, is Tina Charles the player that we remember her to be? Is Tina Charles going to play up to the MVP caliber player that we know she has the ability to reach and has reached before? I think that this team is in a circumstance where they have a lot of prime players that come with an if or a but next to it. So, Again, you have them a little bit lower than me, but we're basically within the same ballpark. What's your stake? What, where do you stand on the Mystics considering the information that we have with them? Because I think there's a lot of different routes you could go, whether it's the faith, or the faith route or being extremely pessimistic. I feel like if there was ever a time to play the when healthy game, it would be with the Washington Mystics because this team, when healthy, could probably make it back to the championship. Let's start with the two players that you mentioned, Elena Deladon and Tina Charles, who, like you also mentioned, both missed the play or both missed the uh, the the season last year. 
these are two superstars, Jalen. You and I both know this. Deladon's an MVP of the finals from two years ago, also a league MVP as well. Tina Charles, another league MVP. That instantly changes the game for the Mystics, considering that when you have two former MVPs that are healthy, they could significantly boost the confidence of this team and the winning ability of this team. The other thing you didn't mention, and I thought it was interesting, Ariel Powers left and signed with the Minnesota Lynx. Ariel Powers was a player that was somebody that the Mystics could count on for reliable scoring. And she was actually the lead scorer at one point on this team. And she kind of helped get this team to the playoffs, even when it looked like this team was going to barely miss the playoffs. So I think her impact, we kind of were expecting that Alicia Clark was going to fill that role, but Alicia Clark's going to be out this year. She does have two more years on that deal. So we will get to see her play with the Washington Mystics at some point, but that is a huge loss regardless because Alicia Clark is one of the best three and D players in this, in the WNBA and considering how much of a loss she is to Seattle, a team that we're going to talk about later. I think it's an even bigger loss to a team like Washington, who, if we play the one healthy game, I mean, you're, you're adding, you're adding Alicia Clark to a team that has two former MVPs on it and just came off of a finals period two years ago. So this team, I think when healthy can be one of the best teams. Now, the other thing that we also have to kind of mention is that Maisha Hines-Allen is a player who had a breakout season last year with 17 points and close to nine rebounds. They also have Emma Miesemann, who came off of a great season in Europe where she won the title with uh, Brianna Stewart, and she was phenomenal in that, in that season as well overseas. So she is definitely an X factor, I think, for this team, considering that we don't really know how Deladon's going to look this season, like you said, with the multiple back surgeries. A lot of questions, Jalen, but I think when we play the one healthy game, this team is one of the best. Agreed, and I think that's really why we still have them within the, the top the top six, top seven areas because of the fact that we know that the win healthy game can be applied, especially when we're talking about the postseason. Now, I want to piggyback off a point you made to close out, which was about Emma Miesemann, who's somebody who is reportedly not going to even be coming back to the Washington Mystics until after the Olympics. That's something that I think is going to be really interesting in terms of the week-to-week standings during the regular season. Now, we know, as we saw in the Mystics championship, run that she can come up big when Elena Deladon is not able to play at her full capacity due to injury. We know that she's a player that shows up big in postseason play. Again, I think another great thing that you mentioned was her play next to Brianna Stewart overseas. I think that's something that definitely should be, I think that's going to be a good building block for her. And this time over in the Olympics is also going to be a good way to really build her up further as we move closer and closer through uh, or move further and further throughout the season. Because once she does come back, it's not like she's stepping away from an injury. It's not like she's coming off of missed time due to certain circumstances like COVID racked circ- uh, situations or anything of that that matter she's going to have been playing high level basketball overseas this entire time is going to be tr- and then coming over and translating that play for the mystics i think that's an important note to point out but in the meantime of Miesemann not being around it's going to take players like maisha hines allen's ariel atkins too as players that are going to have to step up in the meantime because of the fact that they're missing players in key spots. I mean, we can sit here and talk about the circumstances 
all we want to in terms of players that are not going to be on the floor. Of course, of course, Alicia Clark being at the top of that list, Ariel Powers going out the door again. We're going to talk about her a little bit later, so I didn't get into it too deep. But players like that not being on the floor for this team, Atlanta Deladon's health obviously being a question. Again, I think the biggest thing about this team is that we are going off of we're looking at it from a more optimistic standpoint. And I think that's why our rankings have them as a middle of the pack team, because I think typically with this many question marks, they'd be about in the range where maybe Los Angeles is for us right now in terms of just a team that comes with a lot of uncertainty. But the talent is unquestionable. So it's one of those things where I think we're going to have to give it a couple of weeks to really tell. This is another one of those teams kind of similar to Connecticut, where I think that we could really see them shift up or down significantly based on how their first two weeks go. So two weeks ago, two, two weeks from now, when we do our next power rankings, that's a little bit updated after seeing some games. It's going to be really interesting to see where they fall in the fray of all of this. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about, um, interestingly, interestingly enough, there's a little bit of a gap here, but I don't really mind talking about them right now because I feel like they're one of those teams that ironically falls into a lane we don't see very often. So similar, uh, similarly to the Los Angeles Lakers, we have a Seattle Storm team coming off a championship and they don't look nearly as good now as they did coming off the championship. Going into the championship year, there was a certain level of circumstances that they had that made them look like one of the most unstoppable teams in WNBA history. This year, it just doesn't, Ryan, I don't know, make, I mean, you tend to agree with me a, a certain amount because you have the links a lot lower than I, I mean, you have the uh, the storm a little bit lower than I do at five as opposed, opposed to me having them at, um, at four. Seattle is a very interesting team. So how do you stand on them? They still have the, the WNBA's version of Kevin Durant and Brianna Stewart, who's coming off a championship overseas, like you said beforehand. But they don't have Alicia Clark anymore, same way as the Mystics don't now, <laughs> due to injury, unfortunately. They lost Natasha Howard, who we're going to end up talking about her in a little bit. Um but they still got Jewel Lloyd and they've still got Sue Bird too. So where do you stand on Seattle right now? So I think this team can make the championship again, mm -hmm. but it's going to be an even more difficult path than how their last championship went. Because if, we, if we're talking about last year's team, Last year's team was phenomenal and they had a lot of talent and they backed it up with a top tier defense. This year, defense is a huge question considering that two of their best defenders left in free agency, Natasha Howard going to New York, Alicia Clark going to Washington. Now, I mean, they, they can remedy that with other solid defenders like Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada. But I feel like the, the lack of Natasha Howard could hurt this team, especially in the post. Now, Seattle looks like they'll be relying on 21-year-old Ezzy Magbagor. There's a chance that she can have a breakout season and turn out to be like Natasha Howard, a defensive anchor down low. But 
there's a lot of questions about if it's going to actually happen. Mm -hmm. And especially considering that in free agency, you get Candace Dupree, another solid veteran forward. Mercedes Russell may not be on this team to start the season because of her commitment overseas. I think there's even like more questions considering that this team just came off of a championship last year. I mean, it's safe to say, Jalen, we weren't expecting to ask these questions here and now because we thought that this team was going to come back intact. Now that they lost Natasha Howard, now that they lost Alicia Clark, I think the defensive acumen of this team is going to be tested considering that if Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada say that they're as good of defenders as we think they are, then I think Seattle has a chance to repeat. But if they struggle on the defensive side, especially against teams like Las Vegas, who I'm going to talk about later, I have no idea how this team is going to win a championship if defensively they are not the same team as they were last year. Yeah, and I mean, what I mentioned earlier about us having them significantly distanced, I only say that, I mean, I know that I have them four, I have them five. I only say that because of who you have at four. Um, We'll talk about that in a little bit. But in reality, I do think that those questions are highly concerning in terms of talking about this team. And I think the reality of the situation is that this team went from being a behemoth last year, a literal team that no, that, that I personally felt like there was no way anybody was going to be to see them. We had them penciled in as winning the championship early on. Now, OK, I will admit we were in a circumstance where we thought it was going to be them versus Phoenix instead of it up being Las Vegas. We'll take that one on the chin. We messed that one up. But at the same time, they were a team that was a complete juggernaut top to bottom from a depth standpoint. And with the fact that that depth took a significant hit in the offseason, I think this drop was relatively inevitable considering the circumstances. And losing their defensive anchor and Natasha Howard, I think, is probably the biggest part of all of this. But overall, I think I, I don't think anybody should be surprised at seeing this kind of drop, considering that the depth that they had from a talent standpoint was so significant last year. And they lost it or they lost a good they lost it in the most significant spots. So I think the fact that they had this kind of drop, I think nobody should be surprised. But at the same time, they could prove us completely wrong with the fact that Brianna Stewart is still probably the best player, if not one of the top three best players in the entire league. Now, before we move into that top four, we got to talk about the Minnesota Lynx, who you had at six. I had them at three. So, Ryan, you got a little bit of explaining to do, my guy, because I'm not too sure about that one. I'm not too sure about them falling off that 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 far. I got them at three right now. They've got Nafisa Collier. They're coming off of having the rookie of the year in Crystal Dangerfield. They're picking, they picked up Ariel Powers, Kayla McBride, and Natalie Achawa in the offseason. They had a pretty decent draft, I'd say, as well. I think that the biggest question for this team is Sylvia Fowles and if she's healthy or not. But is her health? so much of a swing set or a swing uh, swing factor for, for this team that it's the difference between, between being a top three, top five team and you putting them at six? Is it really fouls? That's the difference for you? So here's the thing. This is another one where, much like Atlanta, I was kind of deciding whether or not to put them at six. I was thinking much like you where I was going to put them at three. I ultimately put them at six because I want to see what this team looks like this year with the new talent. I don't want to be too optimistic with a team like Minnesota because this team is a very good basketball team. 
Mm-hmm. We think about the talent that's on this team. Nafisa Collier, great forward for this team. Crystal Dangerfield, she was phenomenal and deserved to win the Rookie of the Year. Renaya Davis, I think, is going to add to an already loaded front court with the aforementioned Sylvia Fowles. Now, of course, Sylvia Fowles being out last year, I think that had somewhat of, a, of an effect on this team. But I think that getting fouls back makes this team better, which is why it's kind of weird that I put them at six because I think that this team has the capability of making a playoff run. But I think right now, me putting them at six is like their floor. If they can exceed the expectations and go and reach the top three or top two in the power rankings, I wouldn't be surprised because that's kind of the ceiling I have for this team being the second or third best team in the WNBA, and especially when you get players like Kayla McBride and aerial powers, like we mentioned, I think they needed that extra guard depth to solidify how talented this team really is, considering how great Kayla McBride was in the finals for Las Vegas. And then aerial powers, how much of a, how much of an asset she was to the mystics last year. I think it's more or less, a sky's the limit type of situation. I think if they they can exceed expectations right now. Yeah, I think this team is really interesting. And I think touching on the Renaya Davis pickup, I think that that's a player that can start off the rip next to Dangerfield as a defensive anchor, kind of from the pet perspective. And Lord, it's not translated this way, but from a perspective that if you remember the Oklahoma City Thunder teams once upon a time, and it wasn't like the olden day, olden day teams. I don't want to go too far back to the days where they had, you know, James Harden coming off the bench or anything crazy like that. But there was once upon a time where they, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder were a flamethrower team, but they had a guy in Andre Roberson playing next to Russell Westbrook to help from a defensive standpoint against top level backcourts. I think this is a circumstance where, where Crystal Dangerfield can be the Russell Westbrook-esque offensive punch not necessarily obviously to the same degree but as the offensive weapon in the backcourt while a player in Renaya Davis can be the one who is the defensive off guard can take one of the take whoever the better matchup is in in the backcourt for um as an opposing defender I think though that's kind of the the circumstance that I see I see uh a Chanwa starting at center Personally, I think that aerial powers is obviously right there in the mix. And I think they could end up just having a three guard lineup where they're in a circumstance where Kayla McBride plays the three. Now, it's kind of interesting because when you put it that way, it's kind of like, where does Nafisa Collier go? Does she start at the five? Does she start at the four? Where do you go with all of that? But I think that interchangeability is actually what makes them kind of interesting because could Renai Davis just come off the bench as one of the first guards? off and put Crystal Dangerfield, Kayla McBride next to each other with Ariel Powers, Achanwa, and a player in Nafisa Collier together. That could be their starting five right there with Davis coming off the bench as a player who can hopefully be like a three and D style player. As we as we noted in the WNBA draft segment of that uh of this when we did that a couple of weeks ago, she's got to improve as a three-point shooter a bit though. But from a defensive standpoint, it's all the tools are already there. So with that being the case, I think they've got an interesting first six to seven. I think the question really just is, can they play to what we see on paper? I think they can, and that's why I have them at three. I think the question for you is kind of similar to where you feel about the Mystics. Can they, though? Yeah. Will they, though? And that's the thing. 
Will they step up to the plate and will they meet those expectations? I have no doubt Minnesota is going to meet, meet those expectations, especially if the team's fully healthy. The reason why I put the Mystics where the Mystics are right now at seven is because we have to play the win healthy game with them. If everyone was healthy going into this season, the Mystics would be a top two team. But because they're not healthy, I have to put them at seven. And with Minnesota, I think the sky, like I mentioned, the sky's the limit. This team has a lot of talent and they have a lot of depth, especially in the front court. And this is a team that could be very much like the Utah Jazz in a sense, considering mm-hmm. that, you know, with this with this front court pairing of Sylvia Fowles and the Fisa Collier, this is almost a perfect situation for Renai Davis to be in, considering that you're learning from Sylvia Fowles, who's a veteran in the league, and then the Fisa Collier, one of the best forwards in the league. This is a win-win for Minnesota. And like I said, I think they can exceed expectations. Yeah, man. I'm really just sitting here thinking about it. And I think that that comparison is so interesting because they're a team that has the kind of depth that makes them seem like they're going to be very, very dangerous throughout the regular season. But how it will translate is going to be very interesting based on who decides to stay apart from the others as the lead player for this team, because they've got a lot of is aerial power is going to come on this team and step up as their leading scorer off rip. Is Crystal, Danger- is Crystal Dangerfield going to be a player that duplicates her rookie of the year season, if not builds upon it? Is Renaya Davis going to get a lot more burn than we both think in terms of being a player who might start for them? Even when you look at players like Caleb McBride and Nafisa Collier, they're both two players that do things significantly different. I think that Nafisa Collier is going to be a player who's very much more impactful on the defensive end for this team, as opposed for Caleb McBride, who I think is going to be significantly impactful as an offensive player, whether it be their first or second leading scorer for this team. So there's so many questions as to where their roles coincide, but I think if everybody falls in line, Utah Utah Jazz-esque, there's a chance that they could be one of the scariest teams in the regular season. How that transfer transfers over to the postseason, well, we'll figure that out, obviously, when we get there. And exactly, that's that's the comparison I was going for. Because with Utah, there's so much depth on that team. You look at this Minnesota Lynx team, there's a lot of depth on this team, too. And with Minnesota, that's why I say the sky's the limit, because this team can sneakily move up the standings and be the best team in the WNBA. Nobody's going to be talking about them. So I just think, like I said, sky's the limit. Yeah, they're an interesting team. I think that's going to be one of those. Like I said, I have them at three because I think the potential is there. I don't blame you for being a little bit more middle of the pack with them, but I think that they're 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 a team that if they click on all cylinders, we see it with Utah now. They were a team we that that NBA fans were looking at and say they don't necessarily have a dominant superstar that you'd put up in the top five, but they have a lot of depth and look, that depth is playing up to snuff this year and they're the top seed in the Western Conference right now. I think that Minnesota, they're in a pretty gauntlet of a Western Conference too. And I think they could easily be one of the most dangerous teams in that conference next to teams like Vegas, the Mercury and Seattle, which speaking of the Mercury, I'm going to just round out my top five, uh, my my bottom portion with my fifth team in the Phoenix Mercury, um, who you have at three. Um, so let's talk about them a little bit, Ryan, because I think that, Phoenix was a team that we were extremely high on last season. And I think that you are maintaining that hype while I'm still a smidge apprehensive after what I saw. They still have Diana Taurasi. They still have Skylar Diggins-Smith, who you know I love as a player. They still have Brittany Griner. They still have Brianna Turner. 
Kia Nurse is a, is a player who I think is going to fit in really well as a player who's not going to get the same usage as what she has in the past. I think just the biggest thing is that the last time we had significant faith in them, we kind of got burned a little. You know what I mean? The postseason for them was not pretty. Plus, look, man, I understand that we're kind of seeing this with Tom Brady and LeBron James, but look, at some point, Diana Taurasi's got to run out of gas, right? Like, like realistically, there's got to be. I mean, look, I'm not me. I'm not personally doubting her, but like, Jesus Christ, at some point, we've got to be able to look at this team and not point out and not point out Diana Taurasi as being a lead factor for this team. But nonetheless, it's kind of hard to view her as the such when she's been she's been playing at an all star level for the last couple of years, if not before. So you're a lot higher on the Mercury than I am, despite the fact that I still have him in the top five. Why do you have as much faith as you do in the Mercury, considering what we saw last season? So they've always been a top five team in the WNBA. I would say for the time that Diane Taurasi's been there, if we look at this team, Brittany Griner was there for the bubble but the team was struggling. Brittany Griner leaves. The team goes seven and two and gets a very fun win over the Washington Mystics. But there's questions now about how far this team can go in the playoffs. Considering we always pencil them in as a title runner up or a third best, fourth best, fifth best team in the WNBA. And that's been like that for years. But I feel like at some point, like you said, with Diana Taurasi, is her time up? I'm not really sure if her time's up because she's playing at a level where we don't even know when she's going to retire. It's almost like we have to sit here and appreciate her greatness because she really is that great. So it's almost like a watch this until you can't. That's essentially what it is with Diana Taurasi. Because we're sitting there and, and seeing greatness, I feel like we kind of just have to sit there and appreciate the fact that Diana Taurasi is still playing. And it's like the same case with Sue Bird in Seattle because Sue Bird's 40 years old and we all know how much longer she's going to be playing, but it looks mm-hmm. like she's not stopping anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to have to appreciate her greatness. Right. But going back to Phoenix for a second, I think the interesting thing with Phoenix is that they picked up Kia Nurse. I think they needed another scoring option with Kia Nurse, and they also picked up Megan Walker as well in that trade with the Liberty. So they definitely added more scoring to the team. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this team at full strength, considering, like I mentioned, Brittany Griner wasn't there for most of the bubble. But the team was doing pretty good without her, so they definitely have the talent to back it up. But I think with Brittany Griner on this team, they are a much more dangerous team, especially with her playing down low. Jalen, she's one of the best senders in the WNBA in the past 10 years. There's no doubt that this team can make the championship. It's just a matter of, are they going to exceed the title runner-up expectations that we have for them? Or are they going to fall out of the top five? I think that's the biggest question right now. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think the funny thing about the Mercury, and I, I didn't even take that into account, honestly. I think that's an interesting way to view them is the upside is if you finish fifth in the entire league last season, missing Griner for most of the year, drop an MVP caliber player of Griner's t- 
talent into the lineup, they obviously should logically move up two spots, maybe about two spots, right? That sounds about logical. The interesting part about that is that's a that's a very uh, L.A. Clippers-esque comparison in terms of that. And that has, you know, that also had its own gripes as well. So it's one of those things that we are going to have to see again. The issue that we've probably had with the team in the Mercury over the last couple of years is that they've always tended tended to hit a ceiling that's sooner than the one we expect. And the fact that there's that constant cap out, you don't want to fall into a position and they're much more talented than this team, but you don't want to fall into the position of an Orlando magic, for example, where the circumstances you keep butting your head on a specific, a, a specific portion of what your real ability is constantly hitting your head on that same goalpost but not moving any further along. And with the talent they have, Griner, again, MVP caliber player, Tarasi, obviously, career is revered. Skylar Diggins-Smith, revered as a college player, but also revered as an all-star caliber player in the WNBA as a player that hits big shots and big moments at big times. So all the talent is there. The question just is, when are you guys going to break through? I mean, I'm not even saying from a championship standpoint, just maybe even reaching the finals itself. When... Is it going to be that point where we see them really reach the full potential that we feel like we can, you know, set for the feel like we set that we have set for this team? Because I think that part is tricky. So the Mercury are interesting. I think that that's going to be something to keep an eye out on. I don't fault you for being so high on them. I think my big question with them is just, you know, when, when are you finally going to step up? Um, let's move to the team that I've been wanting to talk about this entire time. Let's just keep it up being, bro. This is the team. We're, we're getting into the top three. Um, and this is a team I want to talk about this entire time. Ryan, what in the world? You have the New York Liberty. Look, they're at four. They're actually at four. You have the Mercury at three. You have the Liberty at four, just above the defending champion Seattle Storm and the Minnesota Lynx. I have New York at seven. You have the Liberty at four which based on how talking about phoenix lord i i wouldn't even be surprised if you put them at three above phoenix too but what what is what's up with what's up with new york is it, it the is this the knicks fandoms sinking over into the WNBA too ryan what's what's going on with new york man explain to me why they are a top five team number four over teams like the Storm, the Lynx, the Mystics, even the Wings, who we both actually liked significantly coming out of that draft class? To answer your first question, no, this is not my Knicks fandom. And to answer another potential question you might have, no, this is not me being a fan of Sabrina. (laughs) This is, Jalen, look at this team right now. This is a top five team right now, regardless of if they make the playoffs. Let's just appreciate how good this team is right now. In free agency, you go out and you get Natasha Howard. I think it's a huge upgrade at center for this team. You go out and get Benaja Laney from Atlanta, who was WNBA's most improved player last year. Then you add significant guard depth with Sammy Whitcomb from the championship-winning Seattle Storm. You also get Sabrina back, healthy. And we know what happens with a fully healthy Sabrina. If you see if you if you've seen her at Oregon, you know what a fully healthy Sabrina can do to a team. 
And then you also have Jasmine Jones and Laisha Clarendon, two of the top scorers from the team last year. I think that this team has the potential to make the playoffs. I think as a top four, top three team. And I think this, this really was about potential. and This was about upside. I have high faith for this team that they can make the playoffs and the comparison. I don't know if you remember this quote from Natasha Howard, but if you remember when she said that the duo of her and Sabrina could be like Kobe and Shaq. Yes, I do. It was a very interesting quote at the time. But when we think about it now, it kind of feels a little bit real, doesn't it? It, it kind of feels like it's going to happen, like that potential's there for a Kobe Shaq duo. And also for the New York Liberty, this is a team that we've been kind of waiting on them in their 25 years to win a championship. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's kind of been that's kind of been something that this team has been looking forward to. And I think that this is the best team that they've had since Becky Hammond was on there. I just think that this team has all the potential in the world to make something happen. I think this year is just the beginning. So I'm kind of riding with the upside of this team. I think upside is a really good word to use considering the significance of their offseason. Anytime you weaken the Seattle Storm by acquiring one of their top players, you should probably feel pretty good about yep. where you're headed trajectory-wise. So it's kind of hard to do, it's kind of hard to go against that. I mean, speaking of players that coming that's coming back, Sabrina's obviously the talk of the town, but Rebecca Allen, one of the better three-point shooters in the entire league, is another player who's also coming back. She sat out last year, but in 2019, she shot 42% on at least three attempts that year. I mean, respectively looking at it, that's going to be one of those players that I think Sabrina is going to be able to rely on as a kickout player with the way that Sabrina plays as a driving kick player who can also dump it down. The Shaq and Kobe comparison, boy, it's going to be pretty interesting to see, but I think that it's something that could maybe possibly be Something that comes to fruition, you know, that takes a lot of longevity as well as just seeing how they play off of one another. I think adding Bettina Laney and Sammy Whitcomb, like you said earlier, is obviously going to be something to keep an eye on as well, because I think they're easily going to step in and be able to be productive out the gate. I think, look, I got New York at seven because it's hard to just say that that all this talent is just going to be able to coexist from day one. I think they're going to have to work on chemistry out the gate. And that's going to be one of those things that's pretty interesting in terms of how they plan on moving throughout this season, whether or not they try to use this as a get together year or as the, or whether or not they're really going for it all, you know, and whether or not all these off season moves were their way of leaning into trying to be in the championship picture. I think how they come out the gate is going to tell us a lot about, what this team's potential is moving forward. But we know they're only going to get better as the year gets along and the continuity increases. You have a lot more faith in them than I do, but I can't blame you because they have so many great off-season pickups that I think lean in their favor. Talk about potential, man. I think, like you said beforehand, the word upside is going to be the key for this New York team. I think if this team plays up to snuff, man. What in the world? This team could easily be one of those teams that we kind of talk about in the same ilk as how we talked about Phoenix last year. It's one of those teams that all the talent on paper says they should finish in the final two. And hopefully for their sake, they're not number two. So I think that's something to keep in mind. 
let's run out the top three for real this time. We got two teams left on the docket, and we're going to just talk about both of them really briefly since we both have them at the top. And I think they're two teams that's kind of hard to argue against. First off, we got to talk about the runner-ups in Las Vegas. And then we also have the Chicago Sky on top of that. So with that being the case, Ryan, pick a team you'd like to start with, man. We can go either route with this one, to be honest. So I want to talk about the Las Vegas Aces because this is a team last year that made the championship without two of their best players in Liz Cambridge and Kelsey Plum. I emphasized last year that the play of Aja Wilson was going to carry them to the championship. And Aja Wilson did exactly that. She was the MVP last year and she took that team to the finals and made it competitive with the Seattle storm. So the fact that last year, they made the championship without two of their top players. They were the best team in the WNBA without two of their best players. This year, I expect the the interesting thing to happen would be they make the championship with their two best players, and they actually win the championship this time with two of their best players. The other thing I'm thinking about with this team also how do you get Liz Cambridge and Kelsey Plum back with this team? How do you how do these two players fit back in with this team? Considering that, like I mentioned, this was a championship team last year without them. How do you make it work this year with those two players? And we knew how good this team was going to be going into the season because they got Chelsea Gray in the offseason, one of the best scorers for the Los Angeles Sparks. How do you make it work now with these players? And I think... I think continuity is the biggest question with this team because of the fact that they didn't have their two best players last year. How are they going to make it work this year with their two best players? Yeah, for me, man, I think the biggest thing with the Aces, and I think this this is why it was so easy. You're coming off of a season where nobody really saw you coming. All the injuries made it where everybody kind of slept on them and it was one of those circumstances where it was kind of hard to see who was going to be able to step up to the plate. And it ended up being Aja Wilson, who ended up making way more of it than we could have possibly anticipated. I think the biggest thing is, I think the Angel McCautry injury is going to have significant weight, but I don't think it's going to have too much weight because of the fact that you get Cambridge back, you get Chelsea Gray, you have Caleb McBride who left to go to Minnesota, that's its own little bit of a hit. But you get Kelsey Plum back from injury as well. It kind of seems like everywhere they lost something, they got a player back who's of equal talent, if not potentially a little bit better to fill their spot. Now, the biggest thing that's going to be kind of interesting is the fact that from a spacing standpoint, we kind of got to see whether or not that the Wilson-Cambridge uh, duo can work. You know what I mean? That's going to be one of those things that we got to be able to see if Bill Lambert uh, as their, uh, their head coach can kind of figure out how to work on their spacing as well as how to figure out the ability to help them be able to grow the kind of continuity they need with the fact that this team is different with Aja Wilson at the helm now. Because at the end of the day, we can't poo-poo an MVP season and just add two all-star caliber players in, but all of a sudden, Aja Wilson has to be regressed back to being the third or potentially fourth best player on the team again. That's just highly unrealistic, and you'd be wasting a talent in Aja Wilson in terms of the fact that you unlocked her last season due to necessity 
Now she's a luxury. And I think she she should be used as such, obviously. So I think another thing to keep in mind too is uh, uh, Dierica, uh, Dierica Hamby as well is another player that's going to be really interesting coming off the bench for them in terms of staggering minutes between Wilson and Cambridge. So I think that'll be something that should alleviate some of the issues um, from a spacing standpoint on the floor and should make it where they should be able to coexist in big minutes but not have to play full-length quarters or play full-length games next to each other in the lineup. I think that's something for strategically that they should probably like take into consideration. But look, let's let's just put it, let's just keep it a buck. They fell just short in the championship in the championship series last season. And in all seriousness, they kind of got better. So it's kind of hard to poo-poo that in any way. And I think that that's why it's so easy for us to put them at number one. Um, the team that we both put at number two, though, is the Chicago Sky. Ryan, this team is nuts. You get Candace Parker in the offseason, first of all, probably the craziest signing of the entire offseason, despite players like Natasha Howard moving on from Seattle. Um, you got to look at Vic, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, who's arguably, what, a top two, top three point guard in the league right now. Allie Quigley was one of the better three-point shooters last season. She shot like nearly 42% and is basically – or nearly 40% last season and is basically a near 42% three-point shooter over the course of the last four years or so. I mean, I think the big thing with this team – it's just going to be, is everybody going to click? Because I think if everybody clicks, they're going to go crazy. Jalen, I think that continuity, I, I, I think continuity will be, will be an interesting thing to look at with every team this year. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more so interesting with the top two teams, considering that how much talent they added and also how much talent they're getting back. Mm-hmm. Specifically with Chicago. Getting the reigning defensive player of the year and maybe one of the best WNBA players of all time in Candace Parker in free agency is maybe the biggest win for this franchise in their existence. When you get a player like Candace Parker, as good as she is, still in her prime, I think that this is a huge win for a team that defensively needed somebody who can be a great defender. And they got a great defender in Candace Parker. And then they, they also, they also got great defenders in the draft with one Natasha Mack from Oklahoma state. Jalen, when we pair Candace Parker and Natasha Mack up, this is the potential to be another dominant front court duo in a league that's filled with dominant front court duos. And I think what we're talking about Natasha Mack and the upside of, of her play as well. I mean, Jalen, let's think about this for a second. Natasha Mack was slated to be a first-round pick, but this was another one where she fell into the second round, and I think that, you know, in a draft that has a lot of potential draft steals, this is another one where I feel like that this could be another potential draft steal with Natasha Mack. Then you still have Courtney Vandersloot, one of the league's best facilitators, Allie Quigley, one of the league's best three-point shooters, you get Shyla Heal in the draft to add to the guard depth of this team. I think that this team could be the most dangerous team heading into the 2021 season, considering that they really did a lot of their work in the draft and free agency, much like a team 
in Minnesota who added to a lot of their depth that they already had. Adding Natasha Mack in the draft and adding Candace Parker through free agency makes this team significantly better to the point where we are now talking about this team as a championship team rather than a team that makes a first round exit. And man, I think I think the the great way to be able to round out these power rankings, man, is just by from from a statement standpoint, is just this, man. I think our top five is so interesting. The top five alone, Aces Sky, uh, you got the Mercury, Liberty, Storm. I've got Aces Sky, Link, Storm, Mercury. Like, dude, I think the fact that the Sky and the Liberty are two teams that we're talking about in this top five range is so interesting. Even if you talk about Minnesota as well. These three teams are teams that all really improved in the offseason, all really, you know, for lack of a better phrase, put their money where their mouth is. You know what I mean? And the fact that they really put their work in offseason acquisition wise, not only through being able to sign free agents, but again, the draft was extremely interesting because Natasha Mack, we both felt was like a steal for Chicago, considering considering where she was taken. And considering our reactions to, you remember when we did our when we did our draft reactions to the ESPN board that was made, she was taken significantly later than what we had saw on that board. So with that being the case, I think Chicago came out like a bandit, and I think that's the that's the part that's going to make this entire season so much more interesting is because I think this top five on both ends is going to get shaken up, is going to get shook up constantly throughout the season. And I honestly would not be surprised if the sky, the links, the, the, uh, the Liberty, I wouldn't even be surprised. Look, and this might even be, be going out on a limb here, but I wouldn't even be surprised if Dallas snuck up on us with this, just because of the kind of talent they have on paper from what they did in the off season. So it's going to be really interesting to see what all these teams do, man. We're going to be doing this a lot throughout this season, ranking these teams, this preseason ranking, bro. It is so subject to change because so many different things can happen. But boy, I think it's just interesting looking at our list, comparing them. And I think it's only going to be more interesting as we move along, man. To close out the episode, let's talk about these opening weekend matchups. So Jalen and I chose two each. So Jalen, what is your first opening weekend matchup that you want to talk about? Oh, man. Well, I just ended off on Dallas, man. And I got to pick right back up where I where I left off, bro. Dallas versus L.A. on that Friday night kicking off things. They are the last game of the night. And man, I just want to see what's up with Dallas. I think that they have so many interesting players between everybody they grabbed in the in the draft. Collier, A.K., uh, obviously Dana Evans is somebody I really, really want to see as a player who I think is going to play with a bit of a chip on her shoulder, getting taken in the second round when she was clearly a player we felt was a top five, top six level prospect. I just think that Dallas is going to be so interesting. Plus, come on, man, if Sabali's playing, you already know what time it is for me. So at that being the case, I think that when you look at the Dallas Wings, bro, I really want to see what they do. And then when we talk about the Sparks, we look at their end of things, man. I think we talked about them enough in terms of who they could potentially be this season. But at the end of the day, bro, I think that we just get I, I just want to see the uh, the Gumake sisters. I want to see them play next to each other. Uh, Shanae is healthy this season. So I think that's going to be something that's going to be really interesting, too. I, I mean, look, man, I, I'm looking more at Dallas in this game, but I think that L.A. is going to be interesting, too, man. We've been talking about Zowie B all the time. Now we get to finally go see her get a buckets in the Sparks jersey. So that would probably be one of my first ones. I definitely got to keep an eye out on that Friday night. What's going to be interesting is the potential of all these rookies, Dana Evans, Chelsea Dungy, Awak Queer, and Charlie Collier in their first game, because it looks like they're all going to get 
starting minutes and potentially even starting the game too. So I think that's also going to be interesting for Dallas and then for Los Angeles. Amanda Zowie B was a player that we didn't talk about a lot on this episode, but Amanda Zowie B was a huge pickup for Los Angeles considering that they needed somebody who could who could be a, not only a defensive anchor, but also get the buckets down low. So that's going to be interesting to see with that matchup. The first matchup I'm going to talk about is the Indiana Fever versus the New York Liberty. And this is the first matchup in the WNBA season to kick things off on Friday, May 14th. So I think overall, we, we touched on this with both teams. I think this is going to be an interesting year for, for both teams. The Fever are looking for an identity. And much like I mentioned, this team hasn't made the playoffs since 2016. So they have the guard depth. They have consistency from Kelsey Mitchell throughout last season. I think it's going to be interesting to see how much of a asset Kaiser Godrzic is going to be in this offense. And also with Chelsea Perry, she was a bucket getter for UT Martin. How much playing time is she going to get with the Indiana fever? And also with Danielle Robinson, how is she going to fit in with this offense for the Liberty? A much different story, seeing what they did in the draft and through free agency, this is a team that's trying to make the push for the playoffs. We know Sabrina's coming back. We've seen glimpses of how good she is and how good she can, she was in the bubble before she was injured. She right now has the potential to be one of the best basketball players of this generation. And it helps when in free agency, you get a defensive anchor and pick a role partner in Natasha Howard from the championship team or from the championship winning team, Seattle Storm. And I think that this potential, we will really get to see how good of a duo this Natasha Howard and Sabrina Ionescu could be considering that there are comparisons to Kobe and Shaq. So I think that's the other interesting thing. And then with Menage Laney, Laisha Clarendon, Jasmine Jones, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they will fit on the floor considering that Laney improved for, was the most improved player from last year. And Jasmine Jones and Clarendon were both top scorers on this team. And then also with Jocelyn Willoughby, she's also out for the season as well. I think Michaela Amienwari could get a significant role on this team as the sixth overall pick. She might get more playing time than we think. So I think that this is going to be a very interesting game. I think it could be a high-scoring game overall with the New York Liberty pulling it out. Yeah, I think the two biggest things that I want to keep an eye on in this game specific, specifically is Godrasic, for one. I think the way she comes out of the gate is going to tell us a lot about who she's going to be. Um, of course, first impressions matter. And when you're taking fourth overall, when nobody's expecting you to even be taken in the first round, I think a first impression is well necessary in order to tell the league who you really are as a player and whether or not you stack up to the pick. I think another thing, the other thing that I got to keep an eye on, obviously, the two-man game of Howard and Ionescu. I think obviously that's got to be the the prime time look. I think that's part of the reason, probably, why they're kicking off the season with this team against Indiana is because of the fact that I think everybody wants to see Sabrina back on the floor, and you put it next to a player in Natasha. You look at the fact that New York improved across the board. I think that they're going to be an extremely dangerous team. I wouldn't be surprised if it's extremely high scoring either, but I got New York in it. So, I mean, we'll see how much they put up, but Lord have mercy. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that two-man game between uh, uh, SI and uh, Natasha Howard is going to go because I think that's really going to – that's going to be a dynamic we're going to want to keep an eye out on all season. Um, in terms of my other game, bro, I mean, look, I, you know I got to pull the Homer fandom out here. The other game that I got to pick is the Sky versus the Mystics on Saturday. First game of the season for the Mystics, bro. Um, one o'clock game on Saturday. 
uh, we just raved about how Chicago, uh, how Chicago did in the offseason. I think it's going to be really interesting. Speaking of Natasha's, I think Natasha Mack is going to be somebody who's going to be really interesting in this game um, down low for the sky because of the fact that we might see a lot of forward forward matchups. It's going to be great to see Elena Deladon back on the floor, hopefully. Uh, with them and I think that day one with I mean day one the Mystics are going to be taking on what we consider to be one of the best teams in the WNBA so with that being the case we're looking at a circumstance where the Mystics can prove us wrong right off the rip right we came into this circumstance when we did our power rankings we both agreed that we have them as a medical middle of the pack team because we have so many questions about them what better way to alleviate the question marks than to take down one of the better teams in the WNBA on your opening night think it's the best way to set a tone for the rest of the season and to show us that Elena Deladon still is the MVP caliber player that we know she is because she's only two years removed from that so I mean hey we're in a circumstance where we get to watch our team rock out so Saturday is going to be a great day where we get to see them and a big matchup that Ryan's about to talk about in a second I mean just to talk about your matchup first real quick I mean when we're talking about the sky and the mystics if we're playing the when healthy game like I mentioned the mystics are a championship team but if we look at the Chicago Sky, I think Chicago may be the most improved team from last year to this year. And I think by getting Candace Parker, you make this team significantly better with a former MVP and a, and a defensive player of the year winner. And then you also look at the Mystics again, championship contender. And I just think, you know, when this team is healthy, they can win games. Now, I think it's just going to come down to the matchup that I want to circle for this game specifically. Elena Deladon versus Candace Parker. Is Deladon going to be the same player that we saw two years ago? Is Candace Parker going to hold down the floor for this team when they need defense? So I think defense is the name of the game, and that's the matchup that I'm going with. The final game that we're going to talk about that I'm going to talk about is the Las Vegas Aces versus the Seattle Storm. And Jalen, you and I both know we needed to talk about the championship rematch happening for opening weekend. I think both teams have a chance at the championship this season. Like I mentioned, for the Aces, it's going to be interesting to see how this team looks with Liz Cambridge and Kelsey Plum. Last year, they didn't have them. This year, they have them. They made the championship without them last year. They have the chance to do that this year with Cambridge and Plum. And also, this team has four potential all-stars, if we think about it, with Cambridge, Plum, Asha Wilson, and Chelsea Gray. I mean, it's time to win a championship. It's time to contend for a championship, especially when you have four potential all-stars. For Seattle, I think it's just going to be how they play without Natasha Howard and Alicia Clark. They were two of their best defenders last year. I think this game, Ezzy Megbegor, is going to have a tough task trying to defend Liz Cambridge, Oswald Wilson, and De'Eric Hemby down low. I think there's a lot of potential for Megbegor, though. I think that she could become the defensive anchor for this team this year, and a lot of people think that she could have a breakout season this year. So I think this game could start it out for her. They also have other great players in Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada who can create problems for Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum. And then, of course, they have the WNBA's version of KD and Brianna Stewart and, of course, the legendary Sue Bird. This game has the potential to be a defensive battle. So I think Las Vegas definitely has the defensive edge. But I think it's just going to be interesting to see the guard play and the guard matchups to see if Jordan Canada and Jewel Lloyd are as good of defenders as they say they are. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm just going to sum it up like this. We're talking about a championship matchup between two teams that we just saw in the in the finals last season. Two things that's easy to take away from it. One, or looking, going into it. Las Vegas, 
is trying to build on this season by adding talent and hopefully making it all work um, in a very harmonious kind of way because of the all the all star caliber all all star caliber talent that they have. For the Storm, they're a team that won the championship is and are working on their continuity through sub through, through subtraction. They lost a lot of significant talent, but it's going to lead some of their side players. All that depth they were walking around with last season is going to have to really show its head with some of these other players who are going to have to come in with the next man up to mentality. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they come out. And then obviously, come on, man, battle of the MVPs, Wilson, Brianna Stewart. What else do we need, bro, for a, for a great way to kick off the, uh, the WNBA weekend? Then a Saturday matchup, putting two MVPs across from each other on the hardwood. No better way to be able to handle the first weekend than to see a matchup like that, bro. And just speaking of opening weekend matchups, transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what is one opening weekend matchup that you're going to be watching this weekend? This has been a great episode today on the Hoops Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.